This is the Warm Springs program on 91.9 FM KWSO. The Warm Springs Power and Water Enterprise hosted a community presentation on looking into renewable energy. Natural Resources General Manager Austin Smith Jr. was in attendance and gave this comment. So today's meeting was um, put on by Water Power Enterprise and they are typically, you know, um, when they do this they are bringing forth um, the idea of renewable energy and uh, funding available through the federal government that the tribes can utilize and leverage towards projects on a reservation in order to meet, um, you know, resource concerns from power as well as um, revenue dollars um, and infrastructure development on the reservation. And um, <clears throat> for myself from Natural Resources, we're here because every time there is a project proposed on a reservation, we have to go through the integration resource management plan. So, um, you know, this is just kind of a, a kickstart um, with a potential um, investor like Navajo Power. They're tribally owned, uh, tribally managed, and so they bring forth like more of a, a connection with the tribes in terms of um, power resources. Wharton Springs Power and Water Enterprise hosted a community meeting with a presentation on a possible look into renewable energy. Dave Clark is the tribal liaison for Navajo Power. I work for Navajo Power, I'm the uh, tribal liaison. And so what it does is we bridge the gap to tribal communities, to tribal councils, to, to the cultural committee. We, we kind of come out and we, we hear your concerns. I heard this morning someone say, well, this is what the developers want. The difference between us and the developers have all power is you tell us where to, to put it, not us telling you. And that um, you guys say we don't want this in this area, okay. Well, we listen to the tribe, we look for partnership, we look for um, a relationship, we look at uh, tradition, culture, respectful, good stewards of the land. And so, as a native person, it would behoove me not to give respect to people here on the reservation. Brett Isaac is the executive chair of Navajo Power. Thank you uh, for inviting us into your, your community. My name is Brett Isaac. I'm the founder and executive chairman of Navajo Power. Um, you know, appreciate Dave for you know always reminding us and grounding us why we're doing this, which is there's a cultural exchange that goes along with how we interface intertribally what it is to come to communities and to honor one of our elders that have preserved that. You know, I went away to, to school from my community to learn about various different things, including business. Um, I come from the Navajo Nation. I grew up in northern Arizona. And my community was faced with the challenge of replacing jobs from, from the loss of you know, the coal plants and the coal mines that we had there. And my, my, my parents, my grandparents grew up, you know, working in those, those areas. Now that those are closed, we're also looking at how we can, you know, reinvigorate our economies. Because for a long time, that was how we put food on the table. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of our communities, as that kind of distanced ourselves, it made jobs further and further away. So we had to travel, we had to go away from our communities in order to provide for our families. I created Navajo Power because we wanted to bring some of that identity back into the energy space. 
in my own community, the energy companies don't hire people that look like me. You know, all of our companies are run by outsiders. And I don't mean this if there's any outsiders in here. With the technical experience. But you guys understand what I'm saying is like, you know, how, how can I expect my community to thrive if I can't picture myself, if my kids can't picture themselves leading us forward? And so I wanted to bring that idea of strength. Our, our original name was a Navajo Nepotism. Navajo, in, in, in our language, the Nez is people. It's all it means people. But it's strength, but it refers to a mountain. For us, strength is in a mountain. There's nothing stronger than looking at that mass of earth, that mass of land. You know, we in our homeland, there are four sacred mountains that we live in between. That's why I flew in from yesterday. But, you know, bringing that here, one of the things that, you know, I always kind of offer is that I'm here as a guest. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here, I brought my team members and, you know, brought all these things and, you know, Dave brought his beans. <laughs> but, you know, we're here because we really see potential. We really see an opportunity to help and, and share some of the things that we've learned. But also to bring some of that strength with us to help share it with you so that we can think about how we can use energy to transform our communities. Council member Jim Mannion was in attendance and gave a comment. Well, the, today's meeting was called to really introduce the community to some opportunities that I think, uh, as described by Kathy, as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for funding for projects the tribes have been looking at trying to, uh, to undertake over the course of the last 10 years. So funding opportunity by the federal government for assisting us in advancing. Uh, a great discussion with membership describing the pros and cons of advancing renewable energy. And this is really a very, very first step in a long, long journey. So there will be plenty more opportunities uh, for membership to engage and identify what their concerns are with regards to looking at advancing renewable energy development on tribal lands. So one of the things that uh, we have to recognize is that renewable energy is coming and it's going to come in many forms and fashions and the tribe stepping in and utilizing our landscape for that is I think a beneficial thing because we can dictate where it goes and what we need to do to mitigate those impacts putting into plans and putting into place plans that will uh, address those impacts on our lands as opposed to across the fence off reservation where our voice isn't uh, is quite as loud as it would be here so uh, very very early stages but opportunity at hand for us to look at how we can begin to broaden the revenue base for the tribes and bring the needed revenue to support the tribal revenue streams necessary to balance our budget is really what the tribal council has asked the enterprise to do is go out identify those bring them back to the table and explain to us how and why we should look at this as an opportunity kathy isle is the general manager for the enterprise and she talks about funding received for the infrastructure investment and jobs act along with the inflation reduction act 
that's the goal of today is to tell you where we're at with the funding. But then I'm also going to bring into some, into the discussion, some very real next steps and partners that we're considering and where we're at with some of that further detail. So we'll go on to the first slide that we have. And what this is, is this is an overview that I wanted folks to have of the first of the laws, the bipartisan infrastructure law. And that's also referred to as the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And this slide summarizes what's going on under this law. And it went into effect, as you can see, it's been a while. But to get the rules and to get the goals of this law out to the various federal agencies that are going to administer it takes a lot of time. They have to write the rules, get the specifics, decide on how much funding for which type of programs. So as you can tell, it's been a while. So we're learning more. But overall, this law is intended to do these things. First off, it's the largest federal investment in public transit ever. It's the largest federal investment in passenger rail since the creation of Amtrak. The largest dedicated bridge investment since construction of the interstate highway system. The largest investment in clean drinking water and wastewater infrastructure. It ensures every American has access to reliable high-speed internet. So those are all noble things and they're great to serve the community and many communities. But what I've highlighted here in yellow is the part that really applies to the power and water enterprise and the umbrella that we're coming in to do some good things. And that's the goal to help tackle the climate issues by making the largest investment in clean energy, transmission, electric infrastructure, that's for electric vehicles, electrifying thousands of schools and transit buses, and creating a new grid deployment authority to build the clean 21st century electric grid. So that's a very large umbrella. But to translate it into layman's terms, what it really means is it's creating opportunities to develop renewable energy, to build or reinforce the transmission infrastructure that's required to move that energy along, and a few other things. Let's talk about the magnitude of some of this funding. And, you know, it's kind of eye-popping when you look at it. And they didn't just put it, I mean, this is a summary of the different categories that the administration is looking at to put funding into. And you might imagine there's a ton of rules and different sub-programs under each of these. But we're following them very closely to try and take advantage of all the opportunities that are there. They're coming out fast and furious. The timelines are not always, what should I say, easy to meet because there's so many and they come out quickly. But you can see by these numbers, it really is staggering. The primary column or category that your power and water enterprise is going to seek funding under is the grid resiliency and flexibility category. And you can see the numbers there. So now we've talked about the overview, sort of that sort of the setup. So here's the money. Here's some of the rules. Now, how are you going to play? You know, how do we get engaged? So what I've got here is a slide that talks about how these funding programs will apply to the power and water enterprise. So first off, 
the Department of Energy, who's, monitor, who's managing and monitoring the majority of these grants and funding for the energy sectors. They've even set up a brand new uh, office to manage all these. Um, they're going, they are going to provide grants to states and tribes, again, to improve the resilience of their electric grids. Um, some of the applications have been released, and we'll talk about those, but they're also still developing program guidelines for many of those programs. We don't have the details, just kind of the heads up that this is coming, be prepared, these are the kinds of things, and in some cases, we have the ability to try and influence those rules that they set out. So we're being very proactive um, in engaging with the Department of Energy. Um, in my former uh, career prior to this, uh, this position, I did work for Bonneville Power Administration for many years, and that is under the Department of Energy. So I've been able to leverage some of those contacts to try and get some advance information for what's coming and really stay uh, sort of in the know on what's going on with regard to the sausage making for all these programs. So again, these grants are a, a unique opportunity. This is to advance the needs and desires and the economies of tribes and communities, but address maybe some deficiencies that are happening currently but also things that are seen into the future. In particular, like if I were to put an example on that, you know, we many of us have had our communities um, impacted by wildfires, uh, other storms, other things like that. So this provides funds to help mitigate the impact of things like that. With resiliency being, how can we get you back up and running as quick as possible should there be an emergency. That's kind of a, a nuance because transmission and energy usually operate under a reliability. You know, how reliable is it? Well, it's important to be reliable and there all the time, but it is gonna go out at some, at some point. So then what matters is how quickly can you get it restored? That was the Warm Springs Power and Water Enterprise General Manager, Kathy Isle. I'm Neil Morningell, reporting for the Warm Springs program on 91.9 FM KWSO.